I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. to another edition of the Lost Words podcast. I'm joined today by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, welcome. Thanks, Tom. I'm excited to join you. Yeah, look, this is uh, this is a new podcast for us. Uh, Jason couldn't join us today. He's, uh, he's busy this evening. Uh, he will be on the betting show uh, instead. But um, look, this we've been talking about this for, I don't know, maybe a month or so now, um, just over sort of the Christmas break and uh, one reason or another, mainly because the cold wasn't really uh, going throughout December, that we've... Uh, We've waited until now to get going, but um, you know, you've been in this space for a little while. Um, I don't do as much fancy stuff. I mean, I cover a little bit of the of it on the the European tour side or DP World Tour side um, on the Pat Mayo show and things like that. But um, mainly, our focus is betting. I know you like the betting side of things as well, but I wanted to bring you into the circle because I think that you know, I think that you have the experience of the fancy side. I think you know the game theory a little bit more than I do, and. I think generally speaking, it's you know it's, it's huge in America, right? Like the, the the fancy aspect, it was you know betting wasn't legalized everywhere, and that was kind of all you guys could do. Whereas we've just always bet over here, and it hasn't really been a thing. So I think it's good to have the transatlantic version of, of this event, um, and and I think it's a good time to start the Sony Open. Right. Yeah. I mean, the DFS side of things is just massive over here. I mean. You get a lot of people who can just put a couple bucks each week and play and try to hit it big, and it just, it just seems like that's the definitely the main market over here. You know, I I definitely enjoy the, the type of stuff more. But if you if you look around here, most of the content that people are looking at is DFS stuff. So it's definitely in the, and it's helping grow the game. So it's great. Yeah, and I think look, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Is it's the rush right of you can do, you know, can enter a three dollar line and, and you know you can win thousands of bucks right and it's it's it, it it's almost like chasing a win and, and things like that and there's you know there's so many different ways to go into you've got single entries you've got limited amount of entries you've got people that max enter teams and lineups and put 150 dupes in and things like that so there's loads of different ways to do it but um you know just for example i'm looking at i've just got the one up here just so i've got the the salaries in front of me and it's a 150k drive the green 25k to first so you know for five dollars you've got a potential chance to win twenty five thousand. now that's tough right you know there's gonna be people that enter a lot more teams than you know your average joe do there's a, a limit of thirty five thousand six hundred seventy one lineups so you do have to, uh, you know, there is an element of luck involved in it. But when you enter a tournament like that, you know, what what is the, the main thing you're looking for? Because for me, when I when I first started, when it first came over to England, it was very much I used to I used to bet four or five guys and I'd cram them into a lineup and just pick one extra guy that I thought could make the cut, and I thought that would work, and it never really did, and, and it never took off. And I just think there's so many more acute details to, to fantasy as there is betting i think you know we all have our guys that we're happy to bet on and you know someone like a siwoo kim for example is a great example this week as someone i think is incredibly volatile he's got a lot of betting upside but would maybe be a bit hastened to add him in fantasy because you know sometimes he's going to miss that cut and you know it's, it's high risk and reward there but sometimes you need the guys that you know is just going to get over the line and uh, and make the weekend yeah, I've fell down that trap that you're talking about of just playing the guys that you bet outright. But if you think about it, whenever you do hit outright winners, you rarely you rarely have 
four of the of the guys you bet in the top 20. It's usually, you know, one guy, a couple guys get in the mix. Maybe one guy gets in the mix and they win. So, like you said, you can't just play the guys that you want to bet outright because there's more than just win upside when it comes to, you know, playing DFS. And you need guys, like you said, that make the cut. But in those huge multi-entry tournaments, you also need to find a way to differentiate your lineups. Um, there's a lot of groupthink that goes along in the in the golf betting and DFS industry. And you, you do need to find ways to, to be unique. And a lot of times there are forgotten guys in, in DraftKings or, you know, whatever it is you're playing that, you know, might not be as heavily owned, but the odds indicate that they have just as good a chance to win. So I think finding ways to pivot off of very popular guys to other guys who might not be as popular because of, you know, whatever the reason might be. There might be, you know, the trends going for a certain type of player or course history or whatever it may be. Um, I think it's important to kind of, you got to pivot off of your gut sometimes and play the percentages, right? I mean, you could have, you know, Bryson DeChambeau 20% owned and Justin Thomas 7% owned, and you might like Bryson better that week, but does he, he doesn't have a triple uh, chance of winning as Justin Thomas does. So you got to start thinking about playing the percentages. Yeah. And I think as well, it's, you know, it, it I've heard this a lot of times now where you kind of pay up on a guy because you know everyone else is not going to do it, but you know that they could potentially, they can win, and even if they're not your your favourite guy. So let, let's just jump into a real-world example here. So let's just say that the, the theory is that Cameron Smith isn't going to go back-to-back, and, and, and that's not to say that there's a general expectation out there. That's not how I particularly feel, but... Let's just say that is the example for now. The the temptation would be to go to Hideki Matsuyama at 10,600, be to go to Webb Simpson at 10,500 because of, of the course form, especially in Webb Simpson's case. Um, but maybe the 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 smart play, I guess, would be to take a Cameron Smith, and although that's going to make it harder to get, you know, a, a really strong and consistent lineup, it may take you down to the, the 6,000 range or the 7,000 range. Um, where you can start to get a little bit unique down there as well. Yeah, that's that's definitely a way to do it. A good example is last week. Um, I wasn't planning on playing Rom. He hadn't played in three months. The last time he played, he missed a cut um, in Spain. And a lot. Of, I I looked at some ownership percentages and realized he wasn't really being played. And I said, I don't really love him this week, but uh, he's like 13% owned compared to Justin Thomas, who's 30% owned. So I'll, I'll do a couple lineups with Rom, and those ended up being the only lineups that I that I cashed with because Rom obviously came in second. And I had Matt Jones in the lineup too. So um, that was, that's a perfect example of that because no one really thought Rahm was going to be great, but you're getting the best player in the world at a, at a discounted ownership. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, that's a better example, obviously, whereas you, know, you can look back on that and, and it gives you the perfect insight of what we're thinking there because we were exactly saying, like, on the betting show last week, we all faded John Rahm. We just said he was too short. It was on a three-month layoff, wasn't playing that great before. He did have the layoff. And as much as he's played well here in the past, you know, it, it, he wasn't, the course horse like Justin Thomas was like Xander Shoffley was etc so there, there was so many reasons to, to fade him in betting despite the fact that it's always risky with the world number one but like you said there with fantasy when people are, are reluctant to pay up for someone of such a high skill set and I don't I don't think the Sony Open particularly presents you with that opportunity because you know Cameron Smith isn't the clear best player in the world like John Rahm has been so it's not it's not the same thing, right? I think that maybe with Bryson, if he was still in the field before he withdrew, that he could have given you a little bit of that because I think people would, 
expect him to not be able to navigate his way around, um, you know, um, Wileye because you try to overpower it and get it wrong and things like that. But we had no idea. And I think the unknown would have possibly helped his ownership. But, you know, he's out and, and that's that. So we know, Matt, for example, that Webb Simpson is probably going to be a very popular player this week. That's at least how I see it. Um, you know, fancy projections are not my strong suit, but... You know, the last time we saw him was at the Hero World Challenge. He didn't play particularly great, but he was 8th for the RSM, uh, two 66s on the weekend. He was 14th at the CJ Cup, finished with a 65. And he just absolutely tears this golf course up. You know, he's had uh, a fourth, a third, and a fourth in his last three visits. Three 13th place finishes before that and made 10 of 11 cuts. So he is probably the player that's going to be very, very popular at the top of the board, I'd imagine. Yeah, I do have some preliminary ownership calculations. It's it's still very early, obviously yeah. being being Monday, but he's going to be the highest owned guy. Uh, he, it looks like that way right now, and even though it's early, I don't see it changing. And to be honest, this week I don't, I have no problem fading him this week. I mean, yeah. what we what we've seen from lately doesn't seem to be the the typical Webb Simpson that we're used to. So I don't think we can go off past results when he hasn't showed us that he's been that Webb Simpson in a year and a half. No, I, I completely agree. Look, I think that I've been a massive fan of Webb Simpson for for a very long time. I think he's always got the very most out of his game. He, he's got, you know, he's come back from the very uh, pits of the game with, with with the struggles of the posture and things like that, and, and really taking himself back to new levels. So um, there's so much appreciation for Webb Simpson. But like you, I completely agree. I think there is an element of weakness there. I think that you know you can't just shoehorn him into these events that you think he's going to play really, really well at even at the rsm classic you know where he plays very well he finished eighth and that was a great result but it's not going to achieve what you know an eighth place finish here is not going to be good enough really for what you're going to be paying for him this week so i mean i don't know where you've got hideki matsuyama this week but i thought he was uh really interesting because his course history uh apart from you know the last two years have been really really bland i think he missed his first three cuts and he came here you know, he was still cutting his teeth on the tour. It was still new to him, but he finished 78th here in 2015, 29th in 2017. And he started to get the impression he didn't like the layout. And then he finished 12th in 2020, 19th in 2021. And, you know, it's starting to get a little bit better, especially in 2020, he bounced back from us opening round 74 as well. So I actually think Hideki Matsuyama is a good play. I just don't know quite what the ownership is saying out there at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, to me, he's the guy. He's the the pivot guy. Um, I particularly don't like him, to be honest mm. with you. I don't. He has some pretty bad course history, like you know, he kind of alluded to. But it's one of those situations where I don't like him, but it doesn't mean he can't win and can't, you know, pay off his pricing. Ten thousand six hundred is really high, but um, you, you know, you mentioned Smith. I, I think Smith will be a little bit higher on than Hideki. Uh, I think Hideki's going to be the the overlooked guy at the top of the board this week. So I think getting him in a couple lineups could provide some le- some leverage and you know although i don't love him obviously he can win yeah if he gets in gets in the mix and, and i think that's the you know going against your instincts right that you, you know he's not your the guy that you're circling this week I, i'm not going to bet him this week i think he's a little bit i think he represents decent value at the top of the board i think he's overlooked still slightly but i prefer the chances of cameron smith obviously i think that webb simpson can finish above him i think that Sungjae and Mark Leishman all can finish above him but Mark Leishman's going to be very very popular this week I imagine Kevin Nahr is probably going to be uh, fairly popular what do you do then when it comes down to the to the 9k range we, we just played about him and, and Leishman the last two in the in the 10ks 
Obviously, Kevin Nas here as the, the $9,900 defending champion. Abraham Ants is $9,700, who I imagine is going to be popular. And then he comes Corey Connors, who has an excellent skill set for this golf course. Um, in terms of his putting, he's been brilliant here compared to, to anywhere else that he's played. Do you think this is a golf course where he is likely to win at some point? And, and how popular do you expect him to be this week? Uh, on Connors, I think he'll be he'll be decently popular. I think Leishman probably be the only guy in that range ahead of him. Um, you know, but in, in he he can win here. But I'm not I'm not the biggest Corey Connors guy. I really question whether he can win. I know he's putt well here in the past, but if you look at the kind of the type of guys who have won here, um, he doesn't fit as well. He's not the you know the putter and the short game type guy like we've seen in the last five or six years win he is similar to you know a russell henley type who won here in 2013 um but you know for me i think it's another spot where i'm going to be fading uh you did you did mention leishman and, and this is kind of when it gets interesting you know he's going to be probably the, the most popular the second most popular guy in the entire slate this week and you know i bet him at this place last year he was great and then right after i said i'm going to bet him again next year because i really think he gets it done and this is going to be a place where he eventually wins so and then last week on my show, I said, oh, I hope I hope Leishman uh, doesn't play well this week because I really want to bet him next week. So he's, <laughs> he's a guy that I'm going to be betting and playing uh, regardless of ownership. So a big thing that some people kind of misconstrue is you don't have to be unique in all six guys that you play. Right. The, the accumulation of the six guys you play has to be unique. So uh, I'm still going to play Leishman, and I'm probably going to fade Corey Connors. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's a really important thing you say there is at the moment we've spoken about pivoting off people and trying to keep the ownership down. And, and I think that was a, a trap I fell into is I tried to be really unique and just gave myself no chance. I was going right against. So initially I was going with just the people I like, regardless of how popular they were. Then I went to the point where I was like, right, I've got to be unique. So I just picked guys that no one was going to pick. And there was a reason no one was going to pick them, right? And that, that just led to even worse results. So I do think you have to take your guys. So you're very bullish on Leishman you want to take him and I, and I completely understand that um in terms of uh you know the course and, and what it presents you, you touched upon there that you know it, it's short game putting it's a birdie fest right so off the tee is pretty negated you do need to get very hot with your irons i think the um you know basically top five in in strokes gain approaches is generally the key uh kevin nile was fifth matt kuchar seventh passing Zaya third and justin thomas fourth and uh Whilst Cameron Smith was 53rd in 2020, he just was lights out the putter, and the guy he beat in the playoff was Brendan Steele, was second in approach. So, generally speaking, hot irons, hot putter, which is sounds ridiculous because that's probably the formula to win in most weeks, but especially here, it just doesn't seem to matter what you do with the driver. Yeah, I think I think that's true, and that you know the green sizes are much smaller than we saw last week, so I think approach is even more important this week than it was last week. Uh, so I, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, and like you said, with Cam Smith, he gained 8.2 strokes putting when he won, and he and he, well, you know, lost slightly on approach, but that's how he wins. And there's a couple other guys I wanted to talk about uh, down the board when we get there, where guys win in different ways, and you kind of have to realize that. Uh, and Smith is never going to be the type of guy who, you know, is gaining 10 strokes on approach to win. He's going to have to do it his way. He, you know, he's great around the greens. He puts it really well. He's probably going to chip in a couple of them. Uh, so I think. You know, I, I think you have to think of who the guy, who the player is, and what their strengths are in terms of how, what's their path to winning. And if you can see it, then, you know, then that you got to play those guys. Yeah, and, and I sort of said in my article, it's, it's interesting what you said about Smith, uh, Smith there. I kind of 
uh, you know, correlating with Spieth in the sense that, you know, his short game, he just gets really hot with it. And, you know, Spieth potentially is better with his irons in general at, the, at their very best. But, um, you know, neither of them excel off the tee, although both of them have been respectable at their very best. But, you know, their short game is what powers them. In terms of, uh, you know, you mentioned there that, that basically anyone can win here. Like, we, we've seen really wily veterans do it. We've seen journeyman do it we've seen russell henley win his first ever pga tour start a massive anomaly um in terms of courses i've just correlated it very nicely to, to the maya cobra i think that's no secret to anyone uh matt kuchar Patton kaziah johnson wagner mark wilson uh all won both events justin thomas has won here third in maya cobra uh pat Perez has won maya cobra four top tens here harris english won maya cobra two top fours here uh the list goes on graham mcdowell brian gate fred funk and then the other two were RBC Heritage and the Players' Championship. Um, Heritage, Kucher won both events. Furyk won both events. Uh, players, there was three of the last ten Players' Champions. Thomas, Matt Kucher and KJ Choi have won here as well. So those were the three courses, despite the fact that... And I, and I think with the players, especially Matt, you have to kind of just accept that elite players have won there or contended there. And when they drop down to this sort of field, they're going to win or contend here and i think that's probably where the similarities lie but was there any sort of course comps that you decide to look at before your uh, plays this week Every, everything you said i completely agree with and the one reason that i think off the tee is a bit negated even though the fairways are much smaller than they you know they were last week uh i think there's a lot of dog legs and you see a lot of irons off the tee so that kind of evens the playing field for everybody uh, and then you get the guys who can still tra- take driver who are shorter off the tee, like a Matt Kuchar uh, or a Russell Henley or, or guys like that. And I think that kind of gives them an example that uh, gives them uh, um, an advantage because they can find the fairway with their with their driver and don't really have to club down as much. Uh, so I think maybe that could be a reason why you see a lot of those shorter hitters doing really well here. JT, I think, plays really well, well here because... When he gets in trouble, it's because he sprays it a bit with the driver. So I think when he can, uh, you know, hit, hit that low stinger and, and just find the fairway on shorter courses, he plays shorter courses very well. So I, I think that it might have something to do with it, the ability to, to club down. I think, and that could be why Bryson, you know, maybe withdrew this week. I don't think this course suits him at all, and it's for that reason. Yeah, that's what I completely agree with. I think that there was, and it's basically being squashed now, you know, the comments like yourself there, and, and we've said it on the basic podcast that, you know, big hitters get overlooked at short golf courses because people think their their strengths have been negated. But actually, if they can just use their irons like JT does for position, then all of a sudden they get it back, and you know they're not much worse off than people with driver in their hands. But again, equally to that, you've got the likes of Charles Howell III. You've got people, you know, that that you know Brendan Steele, Webb Simpson, that that, that find the fairways uh, and take advantage of that as well. So definitely different ways to uh, to skin a cap. Um, Let's look at the, the, the lower 9K range. We've got Harris English, Taylor Gooch, and, and uh, just at the top of the 8K there, Kevin Kisner. Happy New Year's from our friends over at Manscaped. The ball is officially dropped, but that does not mean that you have to drop the ball on your balls. It's time you bring Sexy back in 2022 and step up your game with Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. You can join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to help them ring in the new year with the right tools for the job. Go to manscaped.com and use the code LFW20 for 20% off and free shipping. It's a new year, new you, and a new you means no pubes. 
At this time of year, people all over the world set New Year's resolutions, and one of those will no doubt be to get fit and get a six pack. Well, while that's a very difficult task to achieve, when you're eating snacks to subsidise a beer that you've given up in New Year, how about you let Manscaped provide a six pack for your balls? Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 contains its six essential tools for the ultimate below the waist grooming routine, and I can personally attest the quality of the equipment. So while yes, I will be looking for that Bryson DeChambeau body transformation this year, in the meantime, I'm going to take care of my balls with Manscaped. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code LFW20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code LFW20. Have no regrets this year with our friends at Manscaped. Harris English, I just mentioned, has got two top four finishes here. Uh, certainly looks off the boil. Um, I think that ever since the Ryder Cup with the change of the putter group and stuff like that, he's, he's basically been washed. Um, does have the potential to bring it back, of course. 68, 67 over the weekend over at uh, Kapalua. So would you ever just put a guy like that in there because you're getting a discount on his price knowing that he can just come back any time? A guy like that, yes. Harris English, no. Uh, I, I think he he needs to figure something out. I mean, if you look at who he was his entire career up until the last year and a half, he was a guy who couldn't get the job done, and you know, and he's he always underperformed. And he had a great year and a half. He was it was a hot stretch. He had a couple wins, and he was awesome. But you know, a lot of times we see that happen. The guy will regress back to who they originally were. And with him, I'd rather be late again than early. I'm not going to pull the trigger on English until he shows signs of being back because honestly i don't think he's going to be back i i think this will be a, a winless season for for english and i think i'm just a full fade on him until until otherwise yeah i mean look i agree with that i've said it on the betting show i think that he is a is a prove it and, and do it type of guy um yes he could go out and do it this week and like you say you'd be late on him but i don't think i'll miss anything out his his betting odds haven't gone to a point where i feel like i need to jump on uh you know this count here isn't you know massively to the point where i feel like i need to, to jump in so i agree with that taylor gooch has played here uh four times now two missed cuts and 18th on his debut is his best effort what do you do with a guy like taylor gooch because the guy is gonna be very very popular this week he he, he has been you know he's, he's hot and for a lot of good reasons, he's going to be popular. He's 15th again last week after winning the RSM Classic the start before. Eventually, right, this run is going to have to come to... I don't want to say an end, but you know he's going to plateau and, and it's going to eke out and he's going to start being in fields where they're a lot stronger. Do you just keep playing him in these slightly weaker fields until it comes to that point where the big guns come in? Uh, not me. I'm not, I'm not going to be playing Gooch. A lot of times you see these guys who... You know, get their get their wins, and eventually they start to regress. I know he was all right last week, but I really think last week is, for a large part, a throwaway type of week. Yeah. Um, I don't think it means I don't think it means all that much, and you know, a lot of people think Taylor Gooch is this young up and comer who's you know going to all of a sudden be contending in big events and all this other stuff. I mean, he's 30 years old, and he, he just break he just broke through recently. But he's a guy. I mean, you, you see guys like that who win once or twice or a couple times in their career, and but in general, they're 100 to one guys, and they're six, seven thousand dollar guys on DraftKings. And I'm not going to play Gooch as a high priced guy. I'm never going to treat him that way. So if he wins, so be it. If he plays well at a high price, so be it. But I'm never going to be in the club of people who are treating him as some up and comer, you know, potentially top 20 type guy because he he isn't. Yeah, and I think that that's the thing that the important thing that you say there about the, his age, right? Is because 
because we're just so accustomed to these young guys coming through now, because Gooch hasn't been around in the forefront for so long, people just assume he's young, right? And and, and I've said this about a couple of guys before, but we, we've spoken about Russell Henley previously. Russell Henley's still only 32, and he won this tournament in 2013, and he's gone on to win another two times since. He's going to contend a whole bunch because of his irons and stuff like that. There's only two years between them, and Russell Henley's so much further along in his development. Uh, you know, he's almost got to the really high point of his career, come back and, and coming back again. So he's gone through all those waves that, that Gooch has probably still not got to come. So I think this 8K range, to me, is pretty pivotal this week because you are going to have to take guys from there. You've got Charles Howell third, that's obviously a course horse, as we mentioned earlier. I've got one guy here that I really, really like above everybody else, but I expect him to be popular for that reason. Um, who would be your favorite in the 8K range? I got two I'm going for. My favorite is going to be Billy Horschel. Yeah. Uh, 8,700. Was that your guy? No, no, it wasn't mine. Nope. Okay. So, uh, you know, and he, I, he was the guy I was kind of alluding to earlier when I said, you know, last week he was bad on approach. I don't know if you've seen the stats, but he, he lost eight strokes on approach, which is really bad. Um, but, you know, he wasn't bad overall other than that. But I think this is a place where he's much more suited to, to play well. And we've seen guys in the past not play well at, Century Tournament Champions, then all of a sudden play play very well at Sony. Kevin Na did it last year. Um, so I think with him, his path to victory is never going to be lighting it up with the irons and, you know, gaining eight strokes on approach. He's a guy who's going to put it in the fairway, give himself 15, 20 feet, and when he wins, he gets really hot with the putter. It's usually on Bermuda, and it's usually on a shorter track. So I think this is a place he can actually win, and I, I, I'm betting him outright as well. But you know what? I think eight... 8,700 is kind of, it's it's a pretty high price for him, especially when people look at the stats from last week. He's not going to pop in the modeling. So I think uh, he's a guy who, who I'll play, and I think he might be a de- uh, decreased ownership due to his you know, poor approach game last week, and I like him this week. Yeah, and I think that that's a, a really salient point that he's had four appearances here, right, and, you know, miscut 54, 68th, and they, they were few and far between those starts and people really expected this to be a course that he would excel at. He plays well, like you say, on shorter tracks. He's He's got an obvious path to victory despite the fact, you know, it feels like he he looks like he gets hot with the irons without his stats necessarily saying that. I think he's been through periods of his career where he has got really hot with them. But generally speaking, like you say, he's a, he's a short game guy. He gets hot. He, he you know, holds those putts that not many other people can. Um, and then he goes and finishes seventh here last year. So I just wonder if that maybe boost him up a little bit but i guess that like you say with the with the iron play last week with the fact that there's so many other guys in this range you've got kevin kisner just directly above him at 8900 who's going to be popular henley at 8500 is going to be popular matt jones obviously 8400 is going to be popular um that it would be really good to go there i mean you shot 265 and 266s here last year so i can totally understand the point there um we, so my guy here is seamus power i i think that he, like Billy Horshaw, is someone now looking back on it retrospectively. You think that he would have played well here in the past and, and hasn't. And I think you've got to add something to that in the sense that Seamus Power hasn't been who he is now for the length of time that he's been here. So I think that course experience is a prerequisite to success here, but you don't necessarily have to have had good finishes. And I think that that's really important because I think that he's played well everywhere that I kind of want him to. 15th last week without putting greatly um you know he finished 21st 12th 11th and 4th on the season before last week 6th at the heritage and 11th at mike over the past two seasons 
12 for the St. Jude back in 2018 as well. All places that I really, really like. And I think that hopefully the, the, the course form and the fact there's some other options, Maverick McNeely, close near, uh, Charles Howe, that maybe the ownership may be kept down a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. All the comp courses, he's great. Um, and he's a, he has a skill set where you'd think he'd be great. Uh, and I, I agree with you there. Uh, the ownership is looking like, you know, a little bit in the middle right now. I don't know if he's going to be um, less than McNeely or I think he'll probably be above those type of guys. Um, yeah. But but I think he's def- he'll be above Howell. But I, but I think there's, you know, if you think he is a path to victory, and not to mention he has some win equity, right? We, we've seen him be able to win recently and contend more so than the other guys in the high sevens, low eights. So if you think he has a path to victory and winning, then that's one of those guys where I don't think he's going to be incredibly chalky, but I think, uh, you know, you, you'd be fine with eating a bit of it. Um, right now I'm seeing like eighth or ninth in the ownership. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that you're right. I think that I'm pretty happy to take – he's a guy that – I've put in my betting card, you know, it's someone I can see realistically winning. I think you have to, if you have a guy like that in the 8K range, like you just said with Billy Horseshoe, you kind of have to take them, even though yours is obviously a bit more of a pivot in terms of ownership. Who was the other guy that you liked in the 8K range? Uh, it was it was Kisner, and yeah, I don't love playing Kis- Kisner because his ownership is always higher than what you'd like it to be. Uh, 8,900, though, is pretty expensive, and I think it might keep guys a little bit off of him, and it seems like you know, very early again returns. It, it seems like that could happen. Uh, but this is one of his courses. You know, Kisner, a lot of people try to jam into places where he he shouldn't be jammed into. But he has his course that he plays well all the time. This is one of them. Uh, 5th, 4th, 25th, 69th, 4th, 32nd. So three top fives in his last six tries here. Uh, the fact that he played last week, I think, is obviously a huge advantage, as we've seen the seven of the last eight winners have done so. So, you know... I think he's he's a guy you can jam in, even if his ownership's a little high, which I'm not too sure it's going to be. Um, but I'm I'm going to be playing some kids. Yep. No, I like that. I completely get it. I think that he showed more than I expected him to last week, and, and I thought he was just going to get lost at that golf course. It's so big, it's so wide, doesn't really lend itself to his uh, success. And and he played well, and you know that's all you can really ask from him. Uh, and it was a good kind of pointer after some struggles at the end of uh, last year as well. 7K range now. Uh, I think, you know, really, really important. Um, you know, I, th- I think this is probably, I guess, most weeks where you can win and lose uh, your tournaments. Uh, I- I've got some guys that I really, really like here. I've got one here that I really never do like that I think could potentially be, and that would definitely be me against going against my instincts. Um, so I'll save him to the end. But who's the guys that you're targeting here at the 7K range? Well, this is probably going to be uh, sound a little crazy, and it's going towards my instinct because I do like playing this guy, uh, Cooch. I, I want to give Cooch yeah. one more chance. Uh, uh, he, it's just a, such a good course for him. It's just, and I, I don't think he's done quite yet. I think he has another little run of good golf in him. Um, obviously, he won the event recently. Um, you know, I, I actually was on him a couple of years ago when he won. But I think he just has the perfect skill set for this course. I mean as evidenced by, you know, 5th, 8th, 3rd, 13th, 1st, and then he missed the cut twice. So that's obviously going to keep some people off of him. And a lot of people think he, he might be toast or might be washed up at this point, and they could be right. But uh, I think he has one more run in him, and this is a place and a price that I'm willing to, to – you know, a lot of people were saying 7500 at the Masters the last couple of years was a good price for him or at yeah. major championships. And he's 7500 now. I, I think it's a good a good time to take a chance on him. 
Yeah, I agree. Look, he's had, uh, was it four straight cuts to uh, to start the season? 36th, 35th, 22nd, 37th. Um, I said a lot of the same things you're saying here on the podcast recently that I think that he has got uh, a win in him. I don't know how, you know, what the massive upside is of Matt Cooch at this stage of his career, but I think he can come and win an event. He's just that guy that he's been around for so long. He's played these golf courses so much that he just looks comfortable with. If you suddenly go on a four or five, six birdie run or whatever, uh, which you do need to do at these types of golf courses to, to really score low, he doesn't, that doesn't phase him, and, and I think that's really, really important. Like, it doesn't suddenly go, oh, I'm not used to this, what do I do now? Um, I think that he's pretty comfortable with doing that. The guy that, for me, that's going really against my instincts, and I don't know if it's the best course for him, but I think he's got the same sort of path to success as someone like a Cameron Smith, uh, is Biswadenhout, right? I think that his short game's you know, pretty good. I think that he can make the birdies that he needs to. Um, you know the driver being negated is a good thing for him but my worry is that the scoring is going to get a little bit away from him and I think that's probably what would keep me off of him in terms of betting but I do think for a fancy point of view he could go well for for four rounds yeah he you know he's going to make a million putts I always kind of compare him to um, Justin Rose not prime Justin Rose but the later stages of his career Justin Rose a guy who when he when he's uh, in terms of finding fairways, but when you get him on a shorter course where he can gain nine strokes putting, then he has a chance to con- a chance to contend. Um, I, I, I like that play. I think it it's probably going to be a little less popular, uh, and he's this type of guy who maybe a lot of people playing these big, huge GPPs don't know much about yet. And I think yeah. you know I think he could have a good year this year because he's uh, you know he, it seems like he's more committed to, to playing a full schedule. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that, I think that's the thing. I think you. He's in that position where you just... I think last year he was caught between the two tours and, you know, he didn't didn't necessarily suit all the PJ Tour courses. I think Aaron Rye is going to have the same sort of thing this year that they don't they don't fit in on many of the golf courses there because they've been so accustomed to the DP World Tour. So they, they kind of fritter between and don't get settled. And it happens a lot. Um, and I think he, he did get caught up in that a little bit despite the fact he had that good run at Bay Hill for, for a long time there. Um Two guys, both at 7,600, that I've got on my betting card is Keith Mitchell and Joel Damon. Um, Joel Damon, I expect to be very popular at this price range, um, so you may need to pivot off of him. But Keith Mitchell, I think, is someone that people don't really know what to do with. Like, I think he's going to be popular on betting cards because I think he's got decent odds. But I think in terms of fancy, I, I mean, I don't know what your projections say, but I, I think that he's someone that you could go to at this range. Yeah, I, I agree with you on... on uh... Diamond, he's going to be popular, so I'd avoid him. Right now, I'm looking at the fifth highest zone again, really early. But, um, but when you when you talk about Mitchell, he's a guy who who is people always like betting because, you know, he, he's usually like a hundred to one, and it's either he's going to be terrible or he's or he has a chance to win if he's not. So he's a, he's like a win equity guy. So I like that. I like to play, especially if you're trying to kind of swing for the fences. Um, I'm seeing very very low ownership, almost almost nothing at this point. Uh, obviously Bermuda's preferred surface. He can get hot with a putter. You know, it, he's 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 a bomber, and that's a bit negated here. And he doesn't really fit well with what um, you know what past winners have done. So that's probably why his ownership is depreciated. Uh, but I like that as a kind of a pivot. Yeah, and look, he's had three top twenty fives here, and last year he shot sixty two, sixty three Friday and Saturday. Uh, was ninth after fifty four holes, and he was sixteenth here in two thousand nineteen. He was third after fifty four. So it helps the fact that he kind of drifted in both of those weeks where 
um, you know, because if, if you've had two top tens, and suddenly you're you're high on the ownership again. But you know, he's had three top eight finishes in his last ten starts, and he was twelfth on his last start, the RSM Classic as well. So I just really like that. Probably should have won the CJ Cup, uh, but was having some some really good people chasing him down there. Who else did you like in the seven K range? Um, I was just kind of looking at uh, early ownership there, and I see Zach Johnson at two percent. I mean, yeah. He obviously, yeah, he has the right skill set, and he he's been hasn't been great lately, but he's the type of guy who you know these older guys can get in the mix at these courses and kind of have a you know resurgence when when it's a course that suits them. The last time we saw him at the RSM Classic, he finished in 16th place, so it's not like he you know he's been horrible lately. He last time we saw him, he was pretty good, so I definitely would go to him. Um, that's that's about all I have uh, right now for that range. Yeah, I mean, look, I've got Siwoo on my betting card. I think that he he's got some great upside, but it does scare me in a in this type of format. But on Zach Johnson, he's going to be a guy that I do a first round leader article. He's going to be someone I put out. Um, gets off to hot starts quite often. Has done here in the past multiple times. Um, I think it was at 60 or 61. He shot the RSM Classic uh, before the end of the year as well to open up. So yeah, he shot at 61. I think Munoz shot at 60 to uh, to take that first round leader away from him. So. I think, you know, even if he gets hot for a couple of rounds and, you know, gets you through to the weekend and, and maybe stutters, that's kind of all you really need from him. I think Brian Stewart's going to be very popular at this range. You know, he's got good course history. Um, Stewart Sink, I thought, was quite impressive last week as well. Uh, when I didn't really expect him to be, I thought he might have gone. And, and Adam Long fits in every single profile I want him to do. You know, stats-wise, um, you know, he, he never jumps off, but just the course comps are, are perfect. He's never had the success here that I think he should have done. Um, so that would be an interesting play, but it's it's the 6K range now that that really worries me. And it, it does kind of put me off taking too many from the top because it does seem to thin out. I mean, you've got, um, you know, you've got Hudson Swafford there at 6,800. You've got John Hurt at 6,900, uh, two people that I like, but... After that, I'm I'm kind of a little bit worried. Grayson Sig makes some appeal at 6,700. Max McGreevy's been playing well, but I don't know too much about what sort of style of golf course he wants. After that, I'm kind of a bit worried in this range, Matt. Yeah, it's a tough one, and it's not a bad week to avoid it because I don't think you have to go uh, fully at the top. I mean, like I could start a lineup with Billy and Kisner and be happy with that, and and yeah. just kind of keep keep it balanced. It wouldn't surprise anybody to see none of the top guys on the board uh, at the top of the leaderboard. One one person i was looking at was uh sahith tigala mm-hmm. i wrote a piece about him as a, as a breakout guy this year and i think the fact that now he has his tour card he can kind of take a, a deep breath and uh just focus on playing and he's a guy who i said i, I said i wanted to get involved with him he was 200 to one so i'm gonna i'm gonna bet him at that price but um is this the best course for him probably not he he was in contention at sanderson farms which is bermuda i don't i don't know uh you know how similar it is but i think a guy like that who I know has the talent and also, you know, his biggest efficiency is his driving accuracy, which you might think might not work for this course. But I think if he can lay up off the tee and kind of get, put the ball in the fairway, then it's going to take a lot of pressure off him. So I, it wouldn't surprise me to see him, see him uh, get in the mix this week. Yeah, no, I, I think like you say there, I think you, when you get to the 6k range, I've always say this about, uh, you know, long shot, you know, bets. I think that, when you get into triple digits, uh, betting-wise, you just need to take guys that you think have got huge upside ahead of them. Someone like a Steven Yeager, someone that's played very, very well in the Corn Ferry, 6,500, uh, could play well here. He's got a decent profile. 
um you know jimmy walker's healthy 6300 he could he could go but you never know what he's going to be like week to week um so i, I certainly wouldn't want to risk it nick hardy uh finished 14th here on his course debut last year 6600 so he's had that run out um was obviously very consistent last year on the corn ferry tour and you know for his first two starts was inside the top 36 um on the pj tour season so I think Nick Hardy's a, an interesting play down there, but like you say, I don't think it's the worst thing at all to to avoid that. So with that said then, Matt, just to, to close out here, you're going to try and avoid the the 6K range as much as you can this week and, and maybe go for a balanced play? Yeah, I think that's probably the, the right play this week. Uh, you know, it might be, it's probably, probably going to be the popular approach too, but you're just going to find a way to, you know, to make, well, it actually depends on Webb. I mean, if guys are playing at Webb at 10,500, they might have to go dip down. And if you try to get Webb and Leishman in there, then, you know, um, then you're definitely going to have to dip down on the 6K. So I think it actually might be a good strategy starting, you know, in the nines or or high eights and keeping it pretty balanced. Okay, Matt, just to, just to put you on the spot before we head out here, because I know you need to, to get off, if I could take one guy from each range for you, so 10K plus, if, if you had one person's pick from there. 10K plus, I'm going uh, Leishman at 10 flat. And in the, the nine and upper eights? That's a, that's a tough one because, you know, I, I had... I had Leishman at 10K flat, and I, I really plan on skipping the 9K range. There's no one in there I really want to play, to be honest. Yeah. No, I'll, cool. I'll go, we could say Kisner at 8,900, and then my in my 8s, I'll go Billy 8,700. Yep, I like that. I think that's a good play. And then for your $7,000 range, who would you be uh, really keen on there? I'm going Cooch, 7,500. I like that. So, look, we've got a lineup here where we go Matt. Uh, Mark Leishman, Kevin Kisner, Billy Horshaw, Matt Kucher leaves us two, uh, fourteen. It leaves us fourteen thousand nine hundred. So we've got seven and a half nearly between two players. Um, so if I chucked in there, uh, Keith Mitchell for some differential, we've got a seventy-three hundred left. Uh, that would leave us. That could leave us Zach Johnson. So we could start the thing with uh, Mark Leishman, Kevin Kisner, Billy Horshaw, Matt Kucher, Keith Mitchell, Zach Johnson. Um, so I think that could be. An interesting place so and maybe that's something we could uh, enter a lineup later on but matt thank you so much for joining me a little bit of a rush one this week because you know both got uh, places to be busy schedules betting shows to do etc um i know you've obviously got to go and coach your team and things like that as well so thank you very much for the time this week um really really appreciate it. really appreciate the insight and i think that going forward these can maybe be a bit more detailed and i think we can dive into a lot more fun things absolutely thanks for having me i really enjoyed it yeah matt thank you very much dude and uh, we'll catch up soon